I'm sitting here with Myra Benjamin. Myra is the director of engineering at Pandora, but I'm actually talking to her today about something new, which is the Tech Intersections Women of Color in Computing Conference that will be taking place on Saturday, January 26th in Oakland, California. Myra, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing absolutely wonderful. Um, really quick, let people know, um, I've noticed in your bio, like you've, you've been in tech for uh, some time and, and you've done a lot of really cool things. Let people know a little bit about some of the things that you've done and, and what you're up to now. Sure. Um, I've been in tech for over 30 years. And as you mentioned, I'm the director of engineering at Pandora currently, but I've been at different companies. I've also been at startups, medium-sized companies and large companies. Some of the names that some people might recognize are PayPal, um, insurance. I did a small stint at Visa and um, all the startups that I worked at were pretty much, they went down the drain. So here I am now at Pandora. So th that's absolutely awesome. And, and what has it been like working for both sides of the industry, the startup side and the, I don't want to say that the corporate side, but the, the bigger, more stable uh, side with Pandora? Well, I mean, I, I recommend that everybody does a startup sometime in their career because you learn so much about yourself and you get a chance to put on different hats at any point. Um, but it's also one of those things where you have to have a strong stomach because it could be a roller coaster. Uh, it could go down spectacularly, or if you're lucky and you're in one of the 98% of startups that are succeed, then um, you'll have a great ride. Either way, it's great experience. When you're on the more stable side of things, sometimes you get, you miss the opportunity to, I guess, impact something at a more huge level. Although at Pandora, I feel that I still have that impact at the company. So it just depends on your personality about what you can stomach and what you're looking for. I think that's, that's really valuable. Um advice too. And, and one of the things that I, I might add to that is if you're, if you really have the stomach for it, try, try starting your own startup. Cause, uh, I'm in, I'm in that process right now and it is very, very, um, challenging, <laughs> but it is very rewarding. Let's talk about this, this upcoming event. Um, what is your role with, with starting the, the women of color in computing, uh, conference for this year? Yeah, so we're calling it Tech Intersections, and you can find more information at techintersections.com, I mean, org, sorry. And what you can find there is that uh, we created this conference, which the first time we held it was last year in January. And it came about because previously I um, was thinking about the fact that there are I didn't know of any conferences that were truly created by women of color for women of color and actually driven by women of color. And I became more interested in trying to create something like that. So I reached out to a professor at Mills College and Mills College is somewhere where I went for my master's degree in liberal studies. 
and she's in the computer computer science uh, department. And I said, hey, here's a couple of things I've observed. Uh, not so many people know a whole lot about Mills College's um, computer science department. And the other thing is that Mills College serves women. It's one of the few institutions that has been recognized as a leading institution for women of color uh, for degrees. And also, because of that, I thought they were having a PR problem. So I thought, why don't we just try to create a conference um, serving women of color and see you know, how it goes because it gives a chance for women of color to actually speak at a conference, which is a barrier that a lot of women of color do face when they're trying to get their career going. You know, that's, that's something that you know, reading the the front page of your site, it talked about women of color being the most underrepresented um, demographic in in the tech space, and that's just something that I've noticed from whether it's going to meetups or going to uh, the few conferences that I've been to. That yeah, I mean, especially as far as speakers go, so it's great to see leadership. Um, in the area, leadership, uh, like you said, a, a conference for women of color ran by women of color for women of color. Like it's it's a great for at a school that excels in promoting that, and that is something that I didn't even I, like. I feel bad because as a person of color, I would think like, oh yeah, that's something that I should be thinking about all the time. But it is inherently a problem that people don't think about it because it doesn't affect them and. Um, has that been something that you've noticed uh, for women of color just getting into the industry that a lot of the inherent problems that they face often come from just lack of, I would say, empathy, like empathy? I think it's more about, I don't know if it's so much about lack of empathy, but a lack of connection, um, access, and awareness. Um also, there aren't very many role models for women of color in tech. Uh, for me, I'm a woman of color. I didn't have any, zero uh, role models for me uh, going through the industry. And even now, 30 years in here, it's been very difficult for me to find anyone at my level to talk to about any of this. And I just started thinking about you know, I don't want women of color to continue facing this. I, I was the artificial issue, which we can address as a community. So it's one of the reasons I wanted to push forward with the conference. I, I love the fact that, you know, you mentioned having role models in your at your level. Um, and and that's something that even to this day there's still a problem with. And I'm I'm looking at the speakers that you have, you know, available. You know, Miriam Aguirre and and Edelyn um, Bobe and so many founders and senior vice presidents and and managers. And and that's something that I wish there was more visible representation and I also see Kaya who I've got I've had to, I've been had the pleasure to meet before who's a really awesome developer um over at Slack but it's it's awesome that your this team is creating 
they're creating those role models. They're showcasing those role models. Um, how much of the the problems that you feel women of color are running into, and and don't get me wrong when I say this, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like they're not doing a good job. I think they're doing an excellent job. How much of this do you think is due to, um, as you mentioned with Mills College, the lack of promotion, the the lack of I'm doing this thing. I'm in this position. I'm one of the few people in this position. Let me get in front of other people and let them know that, yes, we do exist. Yeah, I, it's it's really all that. Um, if I didn't go ahead and try to do this, it wouldn't exist. I mean, I'm sure it would at some point. But for for us as women of color, we have to create our own opportunities and kind of make the path for others so that they come up, can come along with us or follow us. And I have stopped waiting for white men and white women to help us with this anymore. It's, it's about empowering ourselves to try to change the dynamic already. So, and, and one of the last questions that I definitely wanted to bring up is something that I have not seen before, um, and that is the Ally Skills Workshop. Please go into detail about the the decision to not only try to educate and empower women of color, but also people who want to help um, be an ally to women of color and helping to see that group advance. Yeah, the Allies Workshop is a great idea that we came up with for the first um, conference and it was pretty much sold out and we're moving forward with it for the second conference. And the reason we wanna do it is, of course, this something that I mentioned before, is the awareness factor. And we wanna give tools and awareness to people that actually wanna help us. You can't you know, engage in this change without allies, without people that, want to help you and you have to give that opportunity to people you can't just say oh yeah you want us you want you want we want help from you and not give them the tools or the permission to go ahead and help you so this is one of the ways to do that and it's also a way for people that um perhaps you know our allies who would normally not be part of this conference to be part of the conference and see us as well. I think that that is hands down like the coolest thing that I've seen any conference do. And and that was actually one of the ways that I, I was able to reach out was um, I saw the the Twitter profile and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I want to, I want to, you know, I don't really feel like I would, you know, I, the conference isn't for me and that's fine, but I want to help. I want to do something. And then when I saw the ally conferences, uh, the ally workshop, I was like, oh, wow, I wish I could like fly to Oakland and and <laughs> do something like that. But at the same time, that is that's such a great way to say, hey, look, even if this doesn't benefit you in an immediate like getting you hired, what you're doing benefits the entire industry. And that's something that um, this podcast has always been big about is is making sure that we have great representation in our guests, that even our guests that are 
um, I don't want to say traditional, but I would guess like cisgender white males or or white women or or people that are in the majority in their area or region, um, we still look for allies in the space and help to promote that. And and that's something that, you know, as I've been doing this for a few years, I see a lot of I see a lot of people of color, a lot of, of women of color who have so much ambition to whether it's starting your own company or get involved into the scene, um, it, it just feels like, how are they not making it? They're doing so great. And I, I think having workshops like this will help remedy that problem. Definitely. And that's the goal of the workshop is to help us give those tools and help us move this forward for everyone involved. So I wanted to, to ask you about the talk that you're giving um, called Leveling Up. What is, what is that about? It's basically a talk. I have uh, three, four other panelists with me. And we are going to talk about when do you dis- what leads to your decision for moving f- your career forward, whether if you're an individual contributor, let's say you're a software engineer and you want to be a senior software engineer, or is or do you feel that it's time for you as an individual contributor to move into management role? Or if as a manager, how do you uh, start thinking about moving into director level roles and above? These are things that we'll talk about how, how to evaluate that, um, the pros and cons of these things and um, how to start executing it. Uh, I think it's a really important thing to talk, to talk about because people don't necessarily understand how do we evaluate that. I, I absolutely agree. And and one thing that I, I, I have to ask as a follow-up question is, what do you say to those people at the starting point? As you mentioned, there aren't many role models for, for women of color out there in the tech space. And I, I love that I am actively like working. It was funny. I looked at the the conference website and I saw the speaker list and I said, okay, I've got to get every single one of these people on the podcast because I want to make sure that people know what they're doing and how awesome they are. And But right now, you can't find a lot of people that look like you, that talk like you, that are from the same areas that you're from. Uh, doing the things that you want to do, what what would be the the words of encouragement that you would give to them? I think that, curiously enough, people get so swept up in their jobs that they don't actually look around themselves to see who else is in the company that may look like them. And then what happens is, if you take that moment um, to step back and just evaluate your environment, you can actually start creating a community around yourself within um, that environment. And then the next step is to start looking outside of the of your workplace and see if there are meetups or organizations with people that look like you and start um, going to meetings to just meet people up. And also on LinkedIn, surprisingly enough, people reach out to me and they say, hey, I have, you know, I'm a woman of color and I'm thinking of this or that and I would like to talk to you. And I'm always open to that. So don't be shy to just go ahead and introduce yourself um, on LinkedIn and, and, you know, just make sure that it doesn't come off as well. I just want to get this information. I'm never going to see you again. But, you know, that's okay, too, because we're all busy. 
But the main thing is that we need to help each other to get to the next stage in our career. And we can't do this by ourselves. I absolutely agree. And it, and it looks like a lot of these companies agree as well, because you have you have some great donors with like Google and Atlassian and, and Slack and Yelp. And um, of course, like MailChimp and Mozilla. Have you noticed, and, and I think this will be the definitely the last question for, for the interview before we jump into the after show, uh, but you've been doing this for 30 years now, for 30 plus years. Are we at least getting better about it? Like, I, I, I have to have, like, I want to end on a good note. So, like, let me, at least give me the little bit of hope that we're doing a little bit better than we were 30 years ago. Um, well, I can say that we're actually doing a, a lot better than we were doing even five, ten years ago. It wasn't so much and not a whole lot happening the first half of my career. Um, but what I'm seeing now is when I was first joined Pandora, I was the only female engineering manager. And I came there with a mission to stop being the only female engineering manager everywhere I went, right? At that point, it was I'm done with this. I need to do something about it. And so I started creating a community for women uh, in technology. And we meet every month and we support each other. We amplify our, our successes and we talk about what we want to do. And fast forward six years since then, we now have about uh, five female engineering directors, a good handful of female engineering managers. I mean, it's been amazing. It's been the most progress I've seen in my entire career in this one company. And that makes me feel as if we're, if something's happening out there, that the ecosystem is starting to change. So I, I will say that, yes, we, things are looking a lot better than they used to be. But the thing that isn't looking so great still is that there's a tendency for women generally all across the board, whether you're a woman of color or you're a majority woman or whatever you are, that usually within five years of you entering the profession, there's a huge drop off. People seem to be leaving the profession. So we're, we're having retention issues and I'm starting to turn my focus into what's going on there. I kind of suspect that I know what's going on because I've seen it all through my career. But if we don't stem the uh, flow of people going out, we're not gonna achieve what we wanna achieve in the end is to see women of color in higher positions and a female, a, a female CTO that is a woman of color. How cool would that be? I mean, that's, that's what I wanna see. You know, you, you brought up a really good point of of the retention issue, and and obviously this is something that you've overcame. Um, how how have you managed to keep such longevity in the tech space, um, seeing what you've seen and, and the experiences that you've had to deal with over thirty years? I th I credit that a whole lot to my daughter, because um, when I had her, I realized that. I couldn't quit because I didn't want to give her that out. <laughs> if you know what I'm trying to say, kids come up to you and they say, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then, you know, the only thing that you can do as a parent is role model the behavior you want them to 
follow. Yes. And so I role modeled the behavior of I'm not quitting. And so because I did that intentionally, I told myself, I am not getting out of this industry. I am not quitting. I'm going to find ways to continue moving forward and learning and so on and so forth. So that I can model that behavior for my daughter. And I, I would say that she is the primary inspiration for me to keep going because I saw that for me to stay in here um, has led her to think that she can't quit either. And she's currently <clears throat> following a uh, doctorate degree in biochemical engineering. And so she's not gonna quit because I didn't quit. So she doesn't have my permission to quit. <laughs> I love that. That is that is so awesome. And and that's so inspiring as well because I mean my my daughter turned 4 months old today. And for me, I we started uh the productivity and tech business. The podcast has been around for about 3 years now and and we took a year off and we came back and uh, we're in this reboot, but the reboot came after she was born and it was that same exact idea. And, and in fact, that is why I wanted to reach out be about this conference is my daughter's going to grow up as a woman of color in this world, in this country, in California. And it is important for me to see her be able to have a lot of the opportunities that I didn't have growing up in rural Tennessee, where... I was one of the only people, like you said, there weren't any role models. All of my role models were either incarcerated or on their way to being incarcerated. And I didn't have that opportunity. And I didn't even think that it was possible for me until I got away from that area and, and made it out to California and after the military brought me here. But I am so glad that there is a conference like this. And I hope that in 16, 17 years when she's, you know, getting ready to go to school, getting ready to go to college or, or whatever she chooses to do, I can, you know, put the bug in her ear about, you know, the, the 20th or the 16th anniversary of of the Tech Intersections conference and, and get her to go to that. So thank you so I mean, much. I hope, I hope by then that we're going to be bigger than Grace Hopper. I do, too. I, I hope that, I mean, and that's, that's something, and maybe that's a, a good question to end it on is what is the future for tech intersections? What, what is the goal? Is it, is it to stay at mills? Is it to expand and do multiple conferences? Um, what, what do you see as the next step for tech intersections? I mean, I was amazed at how much demand there was for this. The first year we were pretty much sold out and people just wanted to go and we didn't have the capacity. We'll see how it goes this year. If it's the same thing, then we'll definitely consider moving the location and uh, other options. But we we got to see if it has legs first before, you know, contemplating bigger plans. But I don't know. I, I've always been of the mode of if you want to see the change, you have to be the change. And so I see that we need to have a conference like this, a really huge conference for women of color as a event, as something like almost a, a ritual passage in a, in a way like Grace Hopper is for people just starting their career. And, and it'll be a great way for people to actually see the people in the industry doing something and talking about things and being inspired 
and will inspire other generations. So that's the huge, huge long-term vision of the conference and hopefully we'll get there. But in the meantime, we're just trying to build a bit of steam here. Well, if you decide to do a conference for men of color, please let me know. Or next time, maybe I, I'll be able to uh, find a way to make it up to Oakland in time to do the Ally Skills Workshop, because I am absolutely interested in seeing more things like this in the world and in, in our area and in our region. And I, I, like you said, having someone else and wanting to see them not have to go through some of the things that you've gone through is is one of the best and most like amplifying ways to be motivated and and keep at it. And I, I hope that in 30 years I can be, you know, telling a similar story as well. Definitely. And I, I'm I'm just gonna want to say one more thing is that a lot of times we ask permission to do things and we have to get away from that. I didn't ask anyone's permission to set this up. I just went ahead and contacted um, the professor and we went ahead and we did not ask permission of either of our organizations. We just said, we're gonna do this. We figured out how to, to get it together. Um, we put, put together a great committee. I love our committee. We're all very committed to, to this conference and we made it happen and it's magical. It's, it's almost like a startup in, in and of itself. And I, I just want to encourage people to stop asking for, just go ahead and figure out how to do it. And make I think that is something that is so scary the first time you do it, but at, once you get the hang of it, not asking for permission is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't break something, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you, if you break it, it just at least know how to put it back together, right? <laughs> Definitely, you, you know, do something for positive change. <laughs> so that that's going to probably end the, the actual uh, interview. Before we jump into the after show, please let everyone know how they can get in touch with you and how they can learn more about Tech Intersections 2019. Sure. So feel free to go to the website, techintersections.org, and you'll find a way to contact us and you'll find the profile of everyone involved with the conference. And um, we'll be probably promoting this a lot more heavily because there's a couple more. And um, don't be scared to reach out to us via Twitter uh, or LinkedIn or even through the website, through email. They're all good ways to us. And if you're interested in being a speaker, the next year, start thinking about it. We open up the proposals like uh, about two and a half months ahead of the conference. And we don't have any prerequisites. If you have an idea that you want to talk about and you're a woman of color and you want to be up there in front of an audience that will appreciate you, that won't be judgmental. And this experience, I can tell you, will change you in many ways that you won't even understand until afterwards um go for it very awesome okay are you ready for the after show yeah sure all right so at the end of each interview that i do i, I like to unwind and and get to know 
my guests a little bit better. And the best way I've learned to do that is to have them ask me questions because we learn by teaching and we also learn by asking. So I'm going to turn the show over to you and let you interview me and ask whatever questions for as long as you want. But at this point, the show is yours. All right. Okay, so I don't know a whole lot about your startup. Why don't you talk to me about that? So right now, um, there's there's two. There's Productivity in Tech, which is a developer productivity coaching uh, firm. So the goal is uh, we have plenty of coaches that can teach you how to write better code. But what we want is to make better developers. We want people who have a, a good work-life balance, a good understanding of what is necessary to sustain that. And we really want to solve one of, you know, this issue of, of burnout. And again, as you mentioned, the, the retaining rate of developers of, of all kinds, um, especially uh, people in col- of color. And I'm doing that by taking advantage of two of the things that I love doing. I love tinkering with tech and I love productivity. And um, I've been trained as a productivity coach. I've worked with plenty of productivity coaches in the past. And I wanted to create a platform that wasn't only available and accessible, but was also affordable. So what we do is we meet people online. And right now, the current business model is um, each call is $45. And what we're going to be doing soon is coming up with standard packages of, of a month, pretty much a month long, like virtual camp uh, that people can sign up for and of course, what we're always happy to also go to companies and talk to their, you know, their team about how the team can be productive as a whole. But that's that's the big one. And then the other company is actually a small company that we started with. I started with a friend of mine called J and J Media, and that is a little bit more of this side of of the business. I've been podcasting for going on four years now. I've I'm currently hosting five podcasts and this is just one of them. And I listen to way more, um, over a hundred podcasts and I've done work with, with a couple of, uh, larger podcasts in the developer space. And what I've learned is part of being productive is knowing what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And, I didn't want to give people an excuse to say, well, someone's got to do it. So I said, well, you know what? We'll be the company that does it for you. And of course, you know, if if hired, then we take care of the newsletter services and the podcast production services for uh, small developer uh, companies, as well as individual developers that have a podcast or want to create a brand around themselves. Wow, that all sounds great. But I'm wondering that you mentioned earlier that you just have a, a daughter, and how are you finding time to do all of this on top of? I am not sleeping very well. That is what <laughs> I'm doing, um, and, and on top of that, also having a full time job still. So that is, um, I I've learned that sometimes my my attention to my own self care needs improvement, uh, but. One thing that I have done is I've partnered, you know, my wife is our co-founder. She is my business partner. She makes sure that I take plenty of breaks and spend time with my daughter, who's who is getting to see, you know, even at such an early age, getting to see both parents pursuing something that they, they believe in and they want to see and help others with. 
So I, I think for me, like you said, just seeing her and, and having her in like a bounce, usually she's in a bouncer, like right next to me, if I have like the computer going and, and she'll say <laughs> something and I'll look down and be like, yes, yes, you see that like, I'll, I'll, she's like my rubber duck now when I'm like, if I'm writing Python, <laughs> I'll tell her like why I'm doing this. And I'm like, don't give me that look. I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> So your startup, did you bootstrap that yourself or did you go for some funding? Uh, we're, we're bootstrapping and we're still in that process. And that's, that's as I mentioned, the full-time job that still happens during the day. Uh, we're working and, and that, that does make it hard because a lot of the work that gets done gets done in the evenings and especially after bedtime. <laughs> so it's like working as quiet as possible. Um, but also... When I take coaching calls, having to be flexible with my schedule, and that's one of the reasons why we looked, we're looking at maybe changing that a little and going with kind of a prepackaged. I don't want to say course because I don't like the idea of a like a standard recording course, but saying, "Hey, mm -hmm. every Saturday for the next month, we're going to be doing courses, and basically people have blocks, and that allows me to take like a month on and a month off." And that really helps. And we also maintain a community as well for um, previous clients and current clients that they can inspire and help each other. Um, I, like you said, we need more people showing that, hey, you're not alone in this. Hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds like a really, really busy life. Do you have any time in your life for hobbies or things that you enjoy? So I used to bowl and then I had a daughter. <laughs> so the bowling <laughs> stopped. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay we're, we're talking about returning and doing that because it's just one day out of the week and um, you know one of the things that you know we've talked about is our, our company ethos and wanting to be like the companies that we admire and that we see in the world and luckily it's just us right now but we do have plans to hire someone eventually and and when we do like we want to say hey take care of yourself make sure that you're taking time for yourself. Make sure you're working on your projects as well and and helping to present that. So I'm 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 gonna be jumping back into some of my hobbies, but I I work my day job is I'm actually a marketer. So I mm -hmm. I have a tech background, but I am the the techie that works in marketing so that I don't get burned out from doing tech stuff when I'm at home. So this is a way in part my hobby, but I, I love doing it. And I get to talk to interesting people. How do you um, find, I'm just curious because podcasts kind of fascinate me. People start podcasting and my first question in my mind is, how do you find people to, to talk to you? And um, do you find that people don't want to talk to you? I find that a lot of people think that it's intimidating to be on a podcast um, one of the things that I enjoy telling people is like, just remember, 95% of podcasts have less than 200 people that li are listening to it. So if you've ever given a conference talk to more than 200 people, you are talking mm -hmm. to more people that will be listening to more than likely the podcast. I've actually been mm -hmm. lucky enough that um, before we took our year off, we were at uh, about 2,000 uh, unique downloads per episode, which is great, um, especially yeah. in a couple of years. So I, I like to, to, you know, rest, keep people rest assured and say, Hey, remember, I'm the person that does this like 80 times a year. And you get to do it once. 
and you're just talking to me. And I've had people just say, you know what, I didn't really like the interview. And I say, well, then we won't post it. And I, I think letting people be at ease about the conversation that they're having helps them to be more comfortable. And then you always have to end it with something fun like this, where, you know, you, you flip it around and you change it up and you make it different. Because if someone gets on and answers a bunch of questions and they feel like they're still at work when it's eight o'clock at night, that's not fun. But if they get the opportunity to spin it back on you and, and ask you some tough questions, then, you know, you get a little kick out of it. Yeah, but as that's far, true. as far as where do I find people to invite? Um, that's tough, especially being introverted and, and having some anxiety issues. Uh, the thing that I've learned is I can talk to anyone as long as I don't have to like stand in front of them and talk to them. So, <laughs> so for me, it's like a lot of Twitter. Uh, I've worked with a lot of organizations that have worked with developers on and making developers more inclusive. And um, I've been fortunate to to actually be able to meet a lot of people who do have larger networks than I do. And, and kind of like what you said, looking for people that, that you look up to and just reaching out for them and not asking for permission and just saying, you know, Hey, I do this podcast. I would love to have you as a guest. And then people just say, and more people say yes than you think. And, and, and as I tell most people when they say no, well, I mean, if you didn't think that they were going to do it anyway, well then your expectations just were at standard and, you know, it, it didn't hurt. And you just keep asking people and eventually you, you get really good conversations and, and you see ones and, and as you do it, the more and more you do it, the more and more you can find like those specific people that are going to make for an excellent show. Cool. Sounds like a really great exploration journey there. <laughs> it has been, it's, it's been a, a labor of love <laughs> and I've I've definitely learned a lot and there's always room to improve and I was just talking to my wife uh earlier saying hey we you know we might need to look at upgrading some equipment and and looking at some of the services that we provide and saying hey you know we're going to have to pay for this somehow so um yeah. I think we're going to be kicking it up a notch and and really getting uh getting to the grindstone in the next few months as far as you know trying to get more speaking arrangements and and getting more clients for coaching and getting more services and clients for the newsletter services. And it's, it's fun. And for me, it's a challenge and I am not one to back down from a challenge. Once, once someone says, Oh, it doesn't look like you're going to be able to accomplish that. That's when I am at my best. Cool. All right. Um, not sure that I have anything else to ask you. Um, do you have any other things you want to talk about? Uh, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I, I I've really enjoyed the conversation. I I think more than anything, I have to know how is how is Oakland? Because uh, I mean, Oakland is is one of those areas that it gets shadowed, obviously by mm -hmm. you know the the two cities, you know, north and south of it. So mm -hmm. how is Oakland as a tech scene? Because I've I've looked and I think GitHub was in that area or at least they were nearby yeah so uh oakland as a tech scene is getting more and more vibrant um i believe that uh twitter stripe is going to move into the big sears old sears building hmm. uh, and establish 
kind of second location for their employees there. And there's a lot of little uh, startups around. I notice them because I see people walking around. Um, it's great, but you know, the flip side of all of this is that there is a good amount of gentrification going on. And I grew up in, in Oakland, by the way. Uh, I went to the Oakland Public School. And I've seen so many changes in Oakland that it's incredible. And some of it's been great to see, but other parts haven't been so great. The, the appearance of so many homeless people, that's never happened in Oakland before as I was growing up. That wasn't the big problem back then. Um, we had more communities and it was more, there was more diversity. The diversity seems to be leaving the city itself, which makes me sad, mostly because of course rents are going up and there's more new construction and only certain profiles of people can afford that. So. I'm feeling sad that Oakland may lose its soul in the process of getting tech in. Yeah, that that is always unfortunate, um, especially when you know there's an area that you're you're so connected to. Um, the last person that I interviewed was he was saying the same thing, except he's from Indiana, <laughs> and it was like, or no, uh -huh. so it was like, hey, you know, it's it's weird, you know, why would you have a business in Indiana? And he says, well, honestly, we can't afford to be anywhere else, and. It's tough, but also we want to see our area grow and our area expand. And I, I think that doing more things like this, uh, it's going to help. You know, I, I really do think that. And I think that a lot of those people that don't traditionally uh, fit those profiles, I'm hoping we'll see more of that because yeah. we're going to have to. We're going to have to do something to get more people that, that look like us. And like I said, that that we look up to and get them, you know, looking in these areas and saying, what can I do to help? Because that's, that has been the best way that I've seen is like when you get someone that has a bigger platform to you to, to stop and listen to you for five seconds and do something that's going to make an impact in your area. I think that is amazing. Yeah, definitely. And, um, but another kind of secret side mission of mine is to get more people that look like us into the industry because these jobs pay really well and people of color that get into this industry usually lift their families in the process of making the money, which is what happened with my family and, um, and me. So if we get more people that look like us into tech and stay in Oakland, I think that we could hopefully keep the soul of Oakland well, I, I think that one, you're coming at it from a great angle with a great heart and, and love for not only your community, but also your industry. And I, I wish that I had more opportunities to interview people that were that passionate about both. And I, I really do hope that in the future we're going to we're going to have that. And, and I'm again, I, I mean it when I said I'm I'm going to reach out to every single one of these speakers that you have. I'm doing that <laughs> like I'm, I'm working at figuring like, OK, how can I get how can I get Sarah's email? <laughs> you know, how can I how can I reach out to Kaya and see if she's available for an interview? I want to see them all continue to succeed and elevate the people around them as well. And I know that they can do. Yeah, 
I am actually getting a phone call in here. <laughs> okay, that I, I think that's a perfect time to wrap it up. But thank you so much for the call. Thank you. It was and, a pleasure to talk to you. And really quick, this is going to air the week before the conference. Oh, awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Woo! So many conferences, so many chats, but I'm done. I am done. And then I got to. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs>